Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. And the aim of our show is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism because we really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. Today, we are going to talk about how do we empower ourselves and disempower racism. We're going to do the show just a little bit differently today. I am going to start out by introducing my guest today, and you will soon find out why. Uh, we will get to our meditation, but we're going to switch it up just a little bit because this morning, meditation will be offered by Tara, Tara Mulay. She teaches uh, at the Buddhist Insight Meditation, and she helps to cultivate and refine mindfulness practices. I am delighted because I was a student at least for a weekend with my guest today, and she has been practicing for over 20 years, well, was a defense lawyer for over 20 years, and then in 2016, she co-founded the San Francisco People of Color Insight Sangha. I said that right, so I'm happy about that. Um, and, and I'm sure she has been practicing meditation for a lot longer than that. And she can tell you a little bit more about how that came to be, actually. I, I would love for her to share that. But right now, she is um, an interim guiding teacher at the Insight Meditation Community of Western Massachusetts. If you get an opportunity, I want to invite you to take a class with Tara and as well as my guest today, Devin Berry. Devin began practicing meditation in 1999, and his teaching is rooted in the Buddha Dharma and mindfulness daily life practicing. He, in fact, has helped to co-found meditation groups for teens and men of color in the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland, California. He is also at the Insight Meditation um, um, community as well, society as well. I may be butchering the names a little bit, but we'll have for you at the end of the show how you can get in touch with each of these individuals. I am delighted today to have them because they will really guide us through how do we deal with racism when we experience it on a daily basis, but how do we deal with it in terms of just how traumatic racism is? How do we go internally to learn how to empower ourselves and to really dismantle racism. So we're going to begin today with Tara giving us a meditation that will help guide us into our conversation because we always want to start out in a place where we center ourselves and then we will end with Devin doing a meditation today. So welcome to the show today, Tara and Devin. I'm so delighted that you are here this morning. So Tara, I'm going to invite you to begin. Thank you, Terrilyn. So um, we'll begin by just supporting our presence, a sense of presence, mindfulness in the body, moment to moment. So we can begin by just being in knowing the body's posture just as it is. So if you're sitting, just knowing that you're sitting. Standing, just knowing that you're standing or lying down, just knowing that you're lying down. And just gently sweeping the attention from the head to the feet, knowing the posture, knowing the body in the posture that it's in. Touching into knowing the areas where the earth is pulling the body in we experience more pressure, perhaps the seat or the feet. So just knowing the body and the posture that it's in and this capacity that we have to be aware of the sensations of the body. So in the midst of this field of sensations of the body, is an ongoing 
shifting and changing wave of sensations we call the breath. And so now we can just allow the attention to rest with the breath. Wherever you feel it most strongly, just connecting with the direct felt sensation, the feeling of the breath. I'm just inviting you to know the breath from the beginning of an inhale to the middle to the end of an exhale. And to know the beginning of an exhale in the middle and the end of an exhale. Knowing the sensations as the body breathes in from the beginning to the end and as the body breathes out from the beginning the end of the exhale. Let us allow a few moments of silence for you to connect with, to know, to be aware of the breath on your own. And closing off this brief period of mindfulness, awareness of the body and breath. And I also invite you to take this time to honor and appreciate the goodness of your intention to dismantle racism. And what a wholesome motivation. So really appreciating, honoring, knowing the goodness in your own heart and mind. And then extending a wish, a simple wish for your own well-being in the midst of all of this, in the midst of these challenges. Not grasping at any outcome, just wishing yourself well. Just wishing yourself well in these circumstances the systems that we live in. May I be happy. You can say to yourself, just this simple wish for your well-being. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be safe and protected. And may I navigate this life with ease in my heart and in my body. And with that, inviting in a presence, awareness, embodiment, and care for ourselves and appreciation for our goodness. I'll invite Tara Lynn to just take us into this important discussion, crucial discussion. Thank you so much. You're inviting me to come back. <laughs> that was beautiful and wonderful. And so with that, tell me how you, Tara, and, and then we'll, we'll hear from Devin. How, how did you start practicing mindfulness? Because you were a defense attorney for 20 years, and I imagine that you saw a lot, particularly as it relates to racism. So tell me how you started this journey. So I started practicing um, mindfulness almost 20 years ago. So I was actually very early, pretty early, relatively early in my career as a uh, defense attorney. And I started practicing about a year after the death of my mother. I uh, really felt the need to well, because of that, actually, I realized I I didn't show up well for that. Didn't show up as well as I'd like to um, for my mother in that time. I didn't 
have an, I didn't have a way to relate to the challenges of our lives, including mortality, the truth of that, and including all of the other, I, I was very angry. I was very, I had a lot of um, anxiety and I had a lot of anger and some of it, quite a bit of it had to do with the sense of injustice in the world, including racism. Um, and I was lucky enough to read about some mindfulness practices and also loving kindness, which I gave a little tiny taste of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, once I started practicing, I felt an immediate shift and um, of a sense of, I can actually work with this mind and heart and, and I can actually open to a greater uh, capacity to gain wisdom and compassion for myself and others in the midst of all of this. Mm. And so I just, I couldn't stop from that point on. It was incredible, extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, with how it actually helps to have compassion for other folks and how it actually helps to expand us a little bit. Um, well, not a let little bit, but a lot to deal with what we're confronted with. But Devin, what about you? How long have you been practicing? So uh, I've been practicing about now. It's been 25 years or so, about 25 years. And I really began just out out of a really deep need to have some relief um, from everyday interactions in the street of being in this body, of being in this Black body. And I happened to, at that time, uh, lived in Northern California, a little suburban community north of San Francisco. And over the three-year period that I was living there, I had 13 different interactions with the police. I was never charged with anything. I was never given a ticket in any of those things. It was just sort of... um, they saw this young black man in a community where there weren't a lot of black people. And I was repeatedly stopped over and over again. And at some point there was a, a string of robberies that occurred in this, the downtown area of, of this place. And um, I realized one day coming from the library and playing basketball with a couple of friends walking down the street that there were these posters, drawn posters in some of the storefront windows. And the person looked like me. One of my friends remarked, that looks like you. And I looked at it and it did look like me. And it's just sort of one of those things that there was few people around. And I think all that they could remember was, well, there's this one black man and that's who they drew. Um, And so I, you know, I had a lot of stored up anger and anxiety for these sort of things. And I actually eventually made my way to um, uh, a hospital where they had a mindfulness-based stress reduction class, as I realized with my uh, blood pressure and all sorts of other things that were the result or really impacted by these interactions that I had that I actually needed to to work with that to be able to, to better able to function in the world without um, the, the immense amount of anger that, that I was actually carrying. And, and so I was able to do that some with, with, with meditation. And I dove in from there as I saw that it did have an impact in all the, the, the times of just me walking down the street and seeing people cross the street or clutch their purse or lock their car doors. Like I became really sensitive to those things. And I realized that underneath actually all that anger was a lot of sadness and disappointment that, that folks, um, their own stories and conditioning actually didn't allow them to see me. They saw a story, they saw a projection. And so that just led me to a lot of deep uh, sadness and disappointment. And I I use the meditation as a tool to um, help me better cope with that and help me engage folks in the world. So that that was my my start. So I I want to, we have to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, I want to discuss a little bit more how do these practices help you to deal with the anger because you're still confronted with this every day. So how does being mindful help us to move beyond the anchors? Not that we may not necessarily feel it, but how does it help us to move beyond it? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guests today, Tara and Devin, are talking about the practice of mindfulness. And before the break, each of you described some situations in your life that created, um, that you felt angry, right? Because I think that we do get to choose our emotions. And I know that's difficult for some people to really um, embrace that concept. But we do get to choose our emotions and how we're going to respond. And you all talked about anger, anxiety, sadness, um, all of the things that really each and every day we have to deal with and confront on some level, whether it's our own or whether we're interacting with someone else who is experiencing those things. So talk to me about how the practice of mindfulness helps you as an individual deal with your anger, your sadness, your depression, or even when someone is just being blatantly racist towards you? You know, well, I can say, and then Tara can, can add to that. So I, I feel like the, the um, meditation practice or mindfulness or even uh, the, the Buddhist teachings has allowed me to have some space spaciousness around that anger around that sadness or anything it, it it moved me from a place of believing that if my anger and agitation was there that that was the only thing happening and that that's where i was living and that that's what my identity was the meditation over time because mindfulness is like building a muscle right you have to work it out it actually actually has, has to be there eight weeks isn't going to do it over time it will do it. So what I noticed was I could have that anger. I could have that agitation. And it wasn't actually there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I could have anger and agitation and walking into my mother's house and be served a wonderful dinner and sit down and thoroughly enjoy that dinner and that conversation. The anger is still there, but it doesn't, I'm not, I don't have to live in that. There was freedom in being able to know that they're right. These choices of freedom, these choices of this, um, these emotions that are there, these sensations, the range of things is there. And I don't think I ever knew that. I mm. thought, right, I was happy or I was sad or I was angry. Like it was one or the other. And that's not it. There's a spectrum of things. Mm. And so that has all the meditation itself consistently has allowed me to, um, at times it is tolerating discomfort. At times it is breaking down and understanding the discomfort. It's understanding that um, I'm never going to be, I can't get rid of 
discomfort. I can't get rid of suffering. It's actually a part of life, but I can better able to, to be with it, to relate to it, um, to work with it. And the meditation has allowed me to do that. So the meditation itself just allows my uh, mind to settle some. It allows the heart rate to settle some. It allows me to actually be in my body and not flee all -hmm. the time or not completely freeze all the time. It allows me to not completely fight all the time. Sometimes those are there and that's okay. And, and I'm fine too, that my anger is there and I'm really angry and really upset. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's- mm-hmm. I, you know what I love about this because it helps me. I'm, I'm imagining you and, and the millions of other uh, black and brown folks who, where people cross the street, you know, when they see us coming, but particularly men. And I'm imagining you walking down that street, being able with your mindfulness practices, not to get caught up in other people's stuff. Cause really when they cross the street, it's their stuff, even though it feels very personal to us, if we can take ourselves away from that. So, so I'm, I'm loving this. And I also love that you said it does it in eight weeks. It, we won't accomplish it because for many of us who have a difficult time, you know, with things not going through the mind when you're meditating, that's one of the biggest um, questions I get when we talk to people about uh, meditating. If I'm at a retreat or something, they'll say, oh, my mind, my mind just keeps wandering. And for our listeners out there, it takes practice. It takes a long time for the mind to really be able to settle. But Tara, could you talk a little bit about your experiences with being able to disengage from the emotions and the feelings of the moment, how mindfulness has helped you to do that? Um, yeah, so, I mean, mindfulness is, it's, it's, um, it is creating a different relationship to our experience of including our experience of difficult emotions. So what we're doing is instead of following a tendency that we all have because they're unpleasant to not be with them, to have this, you know, and then this to be kind of uh, following cultural messages to just kind of power through, ignore them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to actually notice what they feel like in that moment, to be with them, to notice what they feel like in the moment and in in the body and in the mind. And so we're we're actually engaging this practice of actually really seeing ourselves and becoming more real to ourselves. So noticing um, and accepting in that moment what's happening in the mind-body process, what's happening, accepting it for it, it just as it is. And when we do that, it can be extremely powerful to practice this because we start to see how our minds get entangled. Um, we start to see the harming parts of the emotional experiences mm-hmm. that we have internally harming, like, you know, from experiences of racism, internalized racism, or, um, you know, for our, our European American friends, uh, white identified people, it can be feelings of like defensiveness and things like that. We can actually um, turn ex- turn our attention to those ex- those experiences, and we start to see how it actually there's like it hurts and it's harmful in our to ourselves. It drains our energy, um, it impacts our hearts in a way, and and the mind immediate actually naturally wants to unhook from those patterns then it sees the harm and it starts to notice how it can it it can um actually not have that reactivity all the time one of the things that mindfulness helps us build is is what we would call equanimity or equilibrium in the midst of the difficult shifting and changing circumstances so we can create this sort of like cultivate this sort of um ability to have a like a stillness inside um, that allows us to, that empowers us to respond in a way that we want to, instead of in a way that's sapping our energy or that's caught up in a contraction in our heart. So we can get in touch with that clarity that often accompanies things like mindful, like anger, and follow the clarity, you know, move, move in the direction of that clarity it gives us rather than in a direction of the way that's like lashing out internally and outwardly. Mm. You know, <laughs> Again, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about all the things that come up that stir us. And right now we have the confirmation hearings going on. And some of us 
chose not to watch those hearings because we knew that people would say things that would really just irritate, frustrate, and anger um, us, right? You know, so, and when I say some of us, I'm just talking about the collective uh, body of people I've, from what I've seen folks talk about. And I'm amazed at how uh, um, the Judge Jackson Brown actually remains very calm. And I'm not, it, I'm not surprised though, because it has been something that people of color have particularly had to do is almost just swallow whatever is going on inside in order to accomplish that goal of whatever their goal is, because we don't have the freedom of responding in the same way because the consequences will be different. But what I'm hearing you say is that when we use mindfulness, it's not just a matter of swallowing it, but it's about paying attention to what's going on within us and then making that deliberate choice of what we're going to do. And I think, and I'm not saying that she's swallowing it. I don't know what her practices are, but what I'm saying is when I see her and the grace in which she moves and knowing the history and knowing how we have to show up, I, I see her having to do that because of who she is. But what I hear you're saying, you saying is there's a freedom in choosing to be mindful about what's happening to you in the moment and saying, I could respond to that, but I'm not going to respond to that. So thank you. Thank you both for sharing that. And of course, we're up on another commercial break already and so we won't we won't get into the next question but i want to have you to to think about uh during the break if you could offer us when we come back what are some specific meditation practices that you would recommend for our audience and then i'd also if we have time in the next break like to get into um how meditation actually helps trauma because we've talked about anger and some of the other feelings but Trauma brings up something completely different in us. So uh, in our next segment, I'd like to talk about those two things. So we're going to take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Before the break, I was talking about the grace of Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson and the way in which she chose to show up. And you all had indicated in your uh, sharing before 
this idea of choosing to be mindful of what's happening in the body as a healthier way of deciding how we're going to um, just respond to those things that are irritants or make us angry and frustrated and all of those things. So you clearly have been doing this for 20 years, 20 plus years. What about people who are fairly new on the journey? What sort of specific meditation practices would you offer to help the rest of us learn how to um, just be more mindful? Um, well, I can say one, I, I think for folks brand new, and oftentimes people think that they um, don't have any um, internal or haven't internalized racism or oppression, but I think just from the nature of being in this country over 400 some years, we most definitely have. So I think for me, starting out with or offering people um, or inviting them to actually start out with self-compassion practice. And people have a tendency to not want to do that. They want to help others. I'm okay. Um, but I really think that it's wise, skillful means to fill ourselves with self-compassion to really better be able to relate to ourselves. All of our ancestors are within this body. So it is having compassion, having an understanding of what it is that they went through. Mm -hmm. um, and even so, so that in, ter in terms of meditation, that's initially what, what I would like to offer to people in terms of just a mindfulness practice, just some really simple practices of, of, of helping people to be um, better able to embody themselves. So really getting a sense of sensations that are there in the body that are happening, touch points in the body, because it allows them to really be in the body from there. Breathing as well, sometimes with, with, with people of color and, and traumatic experiences, breathing can be, um, if it's only the breath meditation, that can be uh, problematic for some. So you want to offer options of, of being able to, to mm -hmm. yeah, be in the body of that. Mm -hmm. Tara, would you offer anything additional? Um, just a little. So yeah, I would also really recommend beginning with self-compassion um, and there's a range of practices that we call the Brahma Vihara practices, and they include loving kindness, which has a slightly technical different um, meaning to self-compassion. So those practices, and in those practices, um, we're actually using, we're, we're using our internal verbal capacity to cultivate our hearts and minds in a way that will allow us to have this more resilient relationship to um to life and so really we would emphasize those and also just you know in the practices of mindfulness to uh really take on board that what we're not what we're trying to do we're not trying to get rid of thoughts so for for new people i think there's a there's a sense of there's a sense of disliking thoughts a lot and there's an idea around meditation that we're trying to get rid of things and actually you know the thoughts and just be happening in the background and we're just training the training our attention using the capacities of our mind in some specific ways to cultivate more awareness of what's going on in our minds and our bodies and to cultivate actually these these really supportive mind states like mm -hmm. loving kindness and self-compassion for ourselves we can actually increase have them you know do things to, so that they show up more often and that they're a resource and a refuge for us um, I love that because one of the things that I think about is that what you spend your mind focusing on, that's what you'll attract more of, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll attract more love and kindness, peace and compassion. I'm wondering though, so when you talk about these practices, um, we can see that in helping us with our day-to-day -day interactions or if people are crossing the street or, or if there's something that we're watching and it's making us a little irritated and angry, we could practice this. But what about in situations that are very traumatic or even when we're watching traumatic things happening to other folks of color and we experience that in our bodies as well. So how does meditation help with trauma? Um, well, I can add it would, um, so one, it's a little, it's a little tricky because I, I definitely have heard, you know, people really offer meditation as the thing that is going to solve or fix or, or get rid of. And in looking particularly at racialized trauma, uh, meditation shouldn't be 
the single thing. So I feel like in my own practice and own life, it is complementary with that. So there are mental health professionals to work with. Yes. There are body-based practices to work with. There are other faith-based practices to work with. That package, that toolbox is what you want to use to work with in traumatic situations. So I, I would never, particularly to anyone new, would never offer up, um, just come sit with me, just come pr practice with me, and this is going to really take care of it at, at all, at, at mm -hmm. any means. I would use it as a complementary piece because it does, it can help us to, again, to become embodied, but some deeply held traumatic events and situations actually call for uh, complementary pieces to be together, right? It calls for the village to actually come together. Yes. As a psychologist, I appreciate you saying that because sometimes people think there's either one or, or the other, but what I do know, just in terms of thinking about, um, meditation, particularly as a psychologist, we've seen this work with, I used to work in a school system, and I've also worked in uh, juvenile delinquent uh, facilities, and we've actually seen meditation work with uh, individuals and youth who actually are more explosive, but teaching them how to be in tune with their bodies and what their needs um, are in that moment, it actually can stop a reaction. Absolutely. And it could stop us even because sometimes when you're in certain situations, someone putting their hand on you might be traumatizing, mm -hmm. even just touching them because of what they have going on from their past experiences. So therefore, I could see where meditation would come in and help them just be in tune with what they're feeling, but to not be um, explosive. Tara, do you have anything that you want to um, add to that? Uh, no, I, I agree with Devin that we wouldn't want to present the, our practices alone as something that you can, you know, is the, would help you to completely work through trauma. Um, we do, we, we present the practices in a way that actually though can allow people with trauma to really, to have that be a part of the practice and to slowly but surely and gently, really carefully with a lot of self-compassion, um, touch into disentangling those patterns that are can be a part of trauma. So mm -hmm. we suggest, you know, if you're practicing mindfulness and trauma is coming up, that that there's a there's a titration with that experience. If you're experiencing something in the body that's trauma related, you know, you can just touch in with mindfulness, just notice it for a moment without accepting awareness, and then turn the attention to something that's like neutral or more pleasant. Um, and the, in that way, it's, it's, it does allow you to touch the areas of your life where there's the most challenge and the most stress, but really do it with a lot of gentleness and, and consider, you know, other ways of, of um, other modalities, as we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's important to work with the teacher, I, I think, really to understand this practice as not just an individual thing of just sitting with what is right, you know, because that can actually, people can actually have a magnification of trauma with that. This is a relational practice. This is something we do, as we mentioned in sanghas, that's our word for community. It's a, it's a like-minded practitioners coming together and we explore the practice together. And, you know, there are, there are teachers, there are guides, people who, who've done it. So it's really important to, you know, um, enter into your relationship with practicing with your trauma in a holistic way. And that means for us within our communities as well. And, and maybe for individuals, you know, other, other modalities. Mm. So, Can I add one thing oh yes. So I was going to say with that. So you mentioned um, working with with youth in juvenile hall. So I did that with meditation, and and it really actually helped me to expand what it was that I was offering them. Because oftentimes I saw right, we give the automatic instruction to typically in meditation to close your eyes. What I found immediately is that that was traumatic for most of the youth that I had. So I would have them open their eyes or sometimes in order to, in a sense, prep them for meditation, we would actually just sit down or stand up in the room and I would play some music and just allow them to really listen to the music. And I would tell them to choose one instrument in the music, whether it was a bass drum or, or, or um, a, a horn or voice and just follow that through the, through the song because it allows them to move their body. It allows them to be there with it. They're settling. 
And then I would allow them to be able to be into some silence rather than have them close their eyes and drop into silence because those that are, have, are facing some serious trauma, those can, like Tara said, that can actually, in, you know, just sort of compound the trauma that's there. So the, the teachers should be somewhat trauma-informed for sure. I, I love that you're saying this because as, as I'm thinking about this, I can think about how students would say to me sometimes, you know, this this will work in here, but when I'm out on the streets, this is not right. going to work because I have to deal with X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. and, and they were very hypervigilant. And one of the things that I hear you saying, particularly as we have to think about dismantling racism, is that you have to be informed about the ways in which the people uh, that you're teaching this to, the way they live each and every day. So let's, let's talk about this racially in terms of white practitioners teaching a group of individuals of uh, people of color or non-white people, as one of my guests uh, prefers to say, who was on the show. What is it that you think white practitioners have to know about teaching people of color how to meditate? Well, I'll add one thing. I, I believe the number one thing that they need to know is they need to know their own whiteness. They need to know the construct of whiteness. The more that they're able to, to, un, to, to unlearn their own conditioning, the better able they're actually to help any and everybody. If they are not investigating internally their own conditioning, which is what we do in meditation, so their own investigating their own conditioning, exploring that should include exploring, investigating, and unlearning whiteness as a social construct, mm. if that makes sense. So, so I know what that means because I teach <laughs> this all the time in terms of whiteness as a social construct, but I want you to break that down for our audience a little bit because they might be saying, well, why do we have to unlearn that? Do you have to unlearn your blackness? So I want you to just to be clear about what does it mean to deconstruct whiteness? Having a, well, for one, for me, I guess it's having an understanding of your history, knowing that you have a history, knowing that you didn't drop out of the sky. The country was, right, there's form, slavery, genocide. All of those things happened. A cursory knowledge that this is where my practice comes from. This is where my life comes from. And having an understanding that your experience isn't the normative experience. Societally, we've said that. But understanding that there's a whole spectrum of, of people, non-white people here. So you have to have some understanding of their experience. If you're taking your experience to be the, the normal experience, that's, that's flawed logic. That's, that's, that's flawed by design there. You're, you're, there's not an understanding of any other experience going on. So you mm. can't sit on the stage and offer something that for everyone, if you don't have an understanding that you have a lens and a view that's actually quite particular. Right. And, and therefore, other people need to be able to express and go through this practice yeah. in a way that's conducive for how they show up in life. Tara, I want to hear what you have to say, but of course, we have to take uh, another break. We will be right back with my guests today, Tara and Devin, who are sharing with us ways in which we can use the practice of mindfulness to help us to dismantle racism. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show, and my guest today has been um, Tara Moulet and Devin Berry, and we've been talking about the practice of mindfulness, and right before the break, we were having a conversation about uh, white practitioners and their need to deconstruct whiteness in order to help uh, people of color as we are engaging in this practice. So I'd like you, Tara, if you could answer uh, your thoughts or contribute your thoughts to the conversation that we were having before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is incredibly crucial and important. And um, part of what we we do is within our own communities, it su- support practitioners white practitioners or encourage them or support them to actually really do this work um, relatively in-depth. And and so there are amongst the um, insight meditation communities, a lot of white and awakening in the Dharma supports programs. You know, some of them are a year long. Um, there's a lot, it's, a, it's combining um, the understand, people's in-depth exploration of what whiteness is, what white supremacy is, um, how that manifests in the world, how that can manifest within them in a way that's combined with these these practices of mindfulness and the Brahma Viharas that we've we've mentioned. And um and it allow, you know, the 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 mindfulness allows and helps support the those white practitioners to encounter, you know, the kinds of the encounter those really difficult topics, things that they have to face that they may not have wanted to face about themselves, their lives, their families, their histories, the how white what whiteness is, how it's operating, you know, and break out of their assumptions that they don't have a race and it doesn't have an impact and all of that um, in a way that where they can hold the experiences, the emotional experiences of that defensiveness, you know, anger, like, um, you know, a sense of ownership, you know, like all of those things. Um, and, and, you know, in a supportive way. And so, you know, as an, as I'm, I just want to correct a little thing that I, I was the interim guiding teacher for insight community of Western mass both Devin and I are still on the, are on the teacher's council and we teach there. And um, I moved on to doing some other things um, as well as in a primary way. But so one thing I did was really support those practitioners in that community to have those, those kinds of groups, you know, bringing in the experts, et cetera, um, people to mentor them and doing that. These things are important because how we are in our communities, you know, these people, all of the individuals, whether white or BIPOC people, we impact each other in the world. You know, people, I, I have a strong feeling and it's a really, it's a really um, core Buddhist um, principle or idea that when we shift and change our own hearts and minds, we can have a really um, major impact uh, beyond what we even see, beyond what we know through time, through, through the goodness that we bring mm. to the world, we can do that. And so it's a way of, it's a way of, you know, building these reverberations towards, you know, towards a world where there's at least less racism, where white supremacy is, 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 you know, is on the wane instead of flourishing. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. And, and you know what, if we're all working together, there is, re- we, we can really end racism. I know that that's one of the things that people will say to me all the time. Well, do you think it's even possible? 
you know, when I use dismantling racism, they'll say, it seems so overwhelming. And I say, but if we do what we can with what we have and we start where we are, you know, we can actually help to end racism. So I want to, uh, because I know that we, we don't have a lot of time left. I just want to ask you all your thinking. And Devin, you, you kind of alluded to it before when you were talking about mindfulness being complementary to all the other things like, you know, psychology and medicine and all of that. But I know, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a Christian and I dabble in mindfulness. I might need to do it a little bit more uh, after this, but I met you all because I went to an offering that you all were having where we were looking at Dr. King's work as an advocate and of social justice and really how Dr. King appreciated Buddhism. Just in the, uh, uh, you know, in a couple of words, if you can talk to me about how Buddhism is actually, or mindfulness, however we want to say it, is complementary to our other spiritual practices. Because I'm sure that there are some people listening going, no, 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 it's Buddhist. I'm not going to, you know, attempt that. So share with me your thinking around that. Well, I can start off this time. So mindfulness is just a capacity of the mind. It's a capacity that we all have. There doesn't, the superficial categories don't (laughs) impact whether or not we can be aware of what's happening right here, right now, and shift this approach of not pushing it away if it's unpleasant, not trying to grasp onto it if it's pleasant um, and spacing out on it. So that's what we're doing. We're dropping that habit. It's, 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 um, it's available to us all the time. In the time of the Buddha, there was no such thing as Buddhism. We don't really have, Buddhism is a concept that's Western, is created by Western people, actually. It's just the teachings of, of the Buddha. And he's pointed out these um, particular practices and the impacts that they can have. And it's come and see for yourself. That's one of the things that he said. You know, Just come and see for yourself, whether it's supportive, whether it works, whether it's complementary to your own um, faith that you know your the you know faith that you bring um into the you you've followed in your life and that you bring and so really it's it is it's absolutely does it work check it out um and uh, we're saying it don't believe us <laughs> try it with no interest in in in, in believe it but interest in really bringing it more non-harm to the world that's the big interest that yeah. we have yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Devin, do you want to add? Yeah, I, I think the only thing I would add is is really, um, I, I guess the interest as, as a myself as a practitioner is really being a bridge. So it is finding uh, um, a language and a vernacular um, and overlap in the various traditions, right? It's finding those common threads so we can actually move the needle towards dismantling racism. So there are going to be things in various space that are in, incredibly different. I, and, and that's okay. I look for the things that are common and let's start there. Let's mm-hmm. start there. Like we are all coming, right? With our conditioning from our family dynamics and, and, and backgrounds and all of that. Let's acknowledge those and let's just start there. You know, mm-hmm. let's have a little dinner first and just have a conversation to see how each other's doing. Let's start yeah. there and mm-hmm. then go just step mm-hmm. by step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I love, um, Tariq, because you've said this several times, is really, uh, both of you, not running away from what's happening in the body. And it doesn't matter what your faith tradition is. If we could get people to see, let's not run away, because actually, when you don't confront whatever is there before you, it just keeps coming up. And then we learn how to handle it poorly, often, mm-hmm. and people are harmed. So I'm really uh, happy to hear you um, phrase it in that way. So I just want to ask uh, before we get to Devin ending with your your blessing, um, are there any other things that you want to add that you feel like we did not cover today as it relates to mindfulness and dismantling racism? Uh, just go ahead, Devin. Now, I, I was just going to say the, the, the only thing for me is 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 really um, 
having an understanding, and I think we could all say, right, for the most part, it feels like um, greed, hatred, delusion, separation, all of these things are being promoted really at the, at, at the highest level. Confusion is being promoted at the highest level. So working within initially and connecting with other people that are working within across the faith traditions, let's start there. Let's, let's just mm-hmm. start there. Great, great. Well, how can my guests get in touch with you all? Mm-hmm. No, no go, you can offer that. Uh, our website's taramalay.com, devonberry.org. We also have an, uh, an, a website for our collaboration as Dharma teachers together. It might not be apparent, but we're partners. Here and now, dharma.com, you can go to also. And that will point you to the various places that we teach. We do sure. online and in person. Great. Well, I want to thank you all for for being my guest on the show today. I want to thank my listeners for being um, on the show. I do want to just uh, share with my listeners my book on dismantling racism, healing separation from the inside out will be out on April 20th. Look out for that. And Devin, if you could take us away with the blessing, I would really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, And I did actually think of one other thing, the show. I mean, it's, it's just it's this, actually, listening to and engaging folks on shows such as this. Mm-hmm. Um, so just allowing yourself to come into presence wherever you are, sitting, standing, lying down, walking down the street. And maybe noticing just the natural rhythm of the breath, not needing to change it at all. And in that silence, knowing, that empowered silence, knowing, may we all know happiness and the causes of happiness. May we all be well, safe, and protected. May we all, without exception, awaken and be free. May the merits of this conversation and this practice time together be of benefit to all beings. And again, gently open the eyes and coming back. Well, thank you so much, Devin. Thank you very much again for being on the show to both of you. I will invite my guests to be well, be safe, be encouraged. Bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. A, I'm Sandra Bargeman, a, um, the host of the Edge uh, of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's the Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? 
Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 